Good morning, Body Dayton. How are you guys this morning? For those of you that don't know, my name is Chansey. Uh, my wife Holly and I are the next-gen family pastors here at the Body Dayton. So if you've got questions about anything kids-related, if you've got questions about small groups, we're the ones to talk to, and I would love to share and talk to you about that because I love those things, and they excite me. And um, then we have days like today, which are like the fifth Sunday. So if you're not normally here, this is a little different than we normally do. We normally have children's ministry, but I'm excited about today because I love standing in these pews, holding my son as we worship together. And so this is an intentional thing that we do here at the Body Dayton. Whenever there's a fifth Sunday in a month, we worship together as families. And I want to, to demonstrate that. I want to participate in that with my son because I want to see him grow in his love for Jesus Christ. And it is a blessing to get to worship with him. And I also get the opportunity to share with you guys today. So um, I have fun with these. I, I'm through and through a children's pastor. I love having fun with this. I love being interactive. So feel free to chime in um, as we do this because otherwise I feel awkward standing up here and just talking. Um, but with that, I wanted to come and talk to you today about the church. And, well, maybe I should say that a little differently. I didn't necessarily want to do this. I was really confused when I was praying to God about what I was supposed to share with you guys this morning. And Wednesday night, man, if you guys have missed our Wednesday night prayer meetings, you've missed out. They've been awesome. But I was in the pew, and I was just praying. I'm like, God, what is it you want to teach me? What is it that I'm supposed to share with people? And he's like, tell them about the church. I was like, Tell the church about the church? Like, God, are you serious? Like, what are you talking about? And I was like, these people know the church. They're here on Sunday morning at church. What do I need to tell them about the church? He's like, tell them about the church. I'm like, okay. And so I started thinking about it. And then, of course, being, I mean, okay, how many people in here are like uh, Marvel or MCU fans, right? And we got, all right, how many people are DC fans? All right, we got a couple. All right, not bad. All right, well, if you're a Marvel fan, then you have probably seen Avengers Infinity War, right? All right, so there's a scene in that movie where um, it's where the Guardians of the Galaxy first run into um, Spider-Man and Iron Man, and um, Star-Lord comes in, and there, there's like this, you know, Mexican standoff, and everybody's ready to kill each other's people, and, and, uh, and Star-Lord's like, hey... Where's Gamora, right? Yeah. Iron Man looks at him, he's like, who is Gamora? And then, of course, Drax comes in with what? He's like, I'll do you one better. What is Gamora, right? And everybody's like, what? <laughs> I mean, that's Drax. He's comedic relief, right? So, but that came to mind when I was thinking about church. Because I was like, well, who is church? What is church? Why is church? And all those things came back to me, and I was like, God, why do you want me to talk on this? We just went through a whole series on this downstairs with the kids, right? Like in our, in our BD Kids, we spent three weeks covering what the church is. God, why is this something that is so important to you right now? Why is it something that you want me to share again about? And he said, do it. Start looking into this. It's like, okay. So what is the church? We stand in the church today, and you know, sometimes I hear people say things like, well, this is the New Testament church. Well, what the New Testament church, what does that mean? What, well, what's, if this is the new part, then what's the old part, right? What was God doing before the church that we see as it today, right? And if we go back and look at, like, here, let's go back in history. 
what before Jesus, what was God using? What was God, what did God have in place to reach the nations? I mean, it's not like God did absolutely nothing to interact with the world until Jesus came, right? There was thousands of years before Jesus. So what happened during that time? What was God using during that time to reach the people of the world? And what came to mind was obviously the children of Israel, right? And I found this verse in Deuteronomy, which, hey, whenever you can find a verse in Deuteronomy, that's awesome. Because some of those are the books I stay away from. Leviticus is most of all, but it sometimes, it, yeah. Anyways, Deuteronomy chapter 7, um, I think, all right, thank you. All right, it says, for you are a holy people to the Lord. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the people who are on the face of the earth. Well, that sounds kind of special right there, right? And then it says, the Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than all the other peoples for you were the fewest of all people. All right, so I gotta stop there, right? So if God's gonna choose somebody to do something with, he didn't go choose the biggest, the baddest, the strongest, the most amazing. In fact, God didn't even choose a nation. He decided to create a nation, right? He said, he picked a guy, he picked one dude and was like, I'm gonna make a nation out of you. And Abraham never saw that, right? It was thousands of years, hundreds of years, thousands, long time before Israel became a nation, whatever it ends up being. I should probably have looked that up to, so I could say it right. But you get the idea, right? Like Abraham had Isaac and Isaac had Jacob and Jacob, and they ended up in Egypt for a long time. And then they finally came back from Egypt and then, right? So there's, there's this long period of time where Abraham was far long dead before this nation showed up. Right? But he, God says, I chose you. You are the fewest of people because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers. The Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery. That's Egypt that he was talking about. From the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousandth generations for those who love him and keep his commandments. Right? So God, when he wanted to interact with the world, when he started Israel for the purpose of what he had placed Israel here for, he went and picked nobody to make him into this nation. Right? So the, we are the New Testament church, but in the Old Testament, right, you've got Israel and you've got all these other things that God did to be a light to the world. He wanted to show that he had a relationship with humans, right? I mean, a lot of the other nations of the world at the time had their gods that they interacted with and they were just trying to please the gods and they did all kinds of horrible things. But God had Israel there as an example to the world of this is how I want to interact with humans. This is how I want to show love to you. This is how I want to care for you. And Israel is that model. Now, did Israel live up to that model? Sometimes, or once in a while, right? I mean, they kind of did. All too often, they were celebrating God's blessing or celebrating when God used them to smack someone else down, right? I mean, if you guys know the history of Israel, God blessed them, right? They were slaves, and they basically left Egypt carrying loads of gold and food and the Egyptians were like just go take everything just leave 
right? So they, it's like they, um, they had this nest egg to start a, a whole country from because they walked away and they basically plundered the most powerful nation on earth at that time and walked away with all their stuff. And so they, could, they would celebrate that. And they left and they crossed the Red Sea and God did an amazing thing. And then they crossed the Jordan and God did an amazing thing. And all these you know, giant miracles that God's doing and they're celebrating what God's doing. But somehow, and I'm sure we never do this, but somehow they also would celebrate when God brought judgment on someone else. And forgive us, Lord, when we do this, but somehow I've, sorry, children's pastor mind again. I feel like there was times where they loved it. it was, they were like, have you guys seen the like whack-a-mole things at Magic Castle or Chuck E. Cheese, right? And there's like, ha-ha, God smacked you and God smacked you. And they're just running around like, ha-ha, God's vengeance on you and God's vengeance on you. And telling everybody why they're wrong instead of doing what the way God wanted them to which God called them to be an example to the nations. God called them to draw people to himself. God called them to show what God, how God loved humans, how God wanted to interact with humans. So God, they, God set all of this up, created an entire nation out of one family, and ultimately Israel messed it up. You know the, uh, back to football. Because that's part of who I am. So how many of you guys have seen the commercial where the husband and wife get to somewhere and they're going to do something on the water, kayaking or whatever, and she's like, hey, where are the life jackets? He's like, I don't know, where are the life jackets? I thought you were getting the life jackets. And she, she pulls out the red flag, right? Like the challenge flag in football. And then they go back and they watch the tape. And I love the, how it ends because she like takes her headphones off. And she's like, you know my favorite parts when you said, obviously, I'm not going to forget the life jacket. Well, let's throw, out the, let's throw out the red flag right here and say, well, how did we get here? Let's go back again, right? I started with the New Testament church and said, okay, well, what was before that? Well, it was Israel. But did God do nothing up until Israel? Let's go back and look at the tape. Let's rewind to see how we got there. What, how did God start with interacting with the world? Well, he created a world. Then he created people in a perfect world right? And had a relationship. He came and the Bible says Jesus came and walked in the cool of the evening with Adam and Eve. Like, can you imagine just walking through this perfect garden with God every single day, right? So this is where the tape starts. This is as far back as we can rewind. And God created this perfect world. And then Adam and Eve, mm, they messed it up, right? So that sin that was entered by them became worse and worse and worse. And God was interacting with the world. And it got to the point where there was one family left, right? Started with one family. Suddenly there was a lot of people, but there was only one family that still honored God. And what did God do? God put Noah on the ark with his family and had to destroy the whole world. Giant, almost like a giant mulligan, like do over. We're wiping them out. I'm starting again. Because... He set it up. This is how I'm going to interact with humans. This is what I want to do. This is how I want to show my love for you. And they messed it up as bad as they could. So God had to start it all over. So off the, fresh off the boat, right? In the new world, everything's clean again. And what do humans do? A couple generations later, they're building this giant tower, trying to celebrate how great man is, ignoring who God is or trying to show that they're as good or better than God again. 
And what does God have to do? Stop. I'm going to mess up all your languages and split you into these countries and these people all over the world. Because when you come together, your evil gets so great so fast. So God throws the world into confusion again. And now you've got all these nations all over. And they don't have Facebook to kind of keep tabs on each other, right? They're all over it. So God says, in the midst of all these little nations that are starting with these groups of people, he says, you know what? I want one of those. But I'm not going to pick one that exists. I'm going to make one. Enter Israel, right? So God creates Israel and says, all right, this is the example. Here's my template again, right? Israel screws it up majorly. So bad that if you guys don't know the history... So bad, there was 12 tribes of Israel, and they made this nation. Man, it's like the United States, right? Like the one big nation with a bunch of little ones inside, right? And so God makes this nation, and they split. And half of them get so bad that they essentially get wiped off the face of the earth. They get carried away into captivity, more or less to never be heard from again. But Judah and Judah's still there. They're, and they get a good king every now and again. And they're making their way there, and, but finally they follow the same path that humans do over and over again. And Judah gets carried off into captivity. And after a while, sure enough, God makes a way for them to come back and they resettle in the land. But what happens at that point? Silence. There isn't God interacting with Israel the way he did before. There isn't God using Israel and saying, hey, this is how I want to interact with people. All the rest of the world, see what I'm doing for my country, Israel. That's not happening. Something like 400 years, there's silence. And you gotta, I got to wonder in that time, like what was it like? Like you know you're God's chosen people. You know God's called you to to be there, to be the example, and there's just nothing happening. I'm sure none of us have ever felt that moment where we've prayed and we've prayed and we've prayed and we feel like God's not doing anything. Where are my prayers going? God, where are you in this moment? I need you to answer. But it keeps going on and on, and there's just silence. What comes next? This is my favorite part. Because after that silence, what comes? Jesus. Parents, have you ever had that moment? Kids, have you ever had that moment where you're trying to help somebody do something, but they keep kind of messing it up? And you really just want to be like, give it to me if you mess that up one more time. We got every single domino into the box, and then you dropped it on the way. I see this at work every Monday. Because I'm in a meeting with my boss and my boss's boss, and the boss's boss, or well, whatever. Top dog gets to run the keyboard. But, I mean, if you've ever typed in front of people, it's hard. I mean, you can feel like you can type, and then the net, you put it up on the big screen in front of people, you, it's hard. So my boss's boss, he doesn't really care. He's like, I'll fix it later. So you get all these typos through there, and my boss is in the room, and he is much more the perfectionist. I can literally sit there and watch his body twitch. 
as he's trying to type. And then he'll point out, like, you misspelled that. And, my, and <laughs> the big boss, instead of going back and changing the, like, oh, I forgot an E, it's click, click, click on the backspace through eight characters, then adds the A, and then tries to write the rest of it out, but then misspells it again. So then it's click, 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 click. And my, the whole time my boss is just sitting there with his blood. There's actually times where my boss will turn and face the wall. Like, it, this, like it, everybody knows that he can't handle it. He will face the wall and tell me, tell me when you've got it, the, tell me when you spelled it right. I'll be back to the meeting then. It's funny when you think about it, but in my mind, I was thinking about when Jesus came and in my, and I don't know if this is true or not, so I'm going to step, step off the stage, right? But in my kid mind that I have, I almost feel like God set up the world and he set up Adam and Eve and said, okay, go. And then they messed it up. Okay, we'll try again. Flood, new people, go. Oh, Tower of Abel, no good. Okay, go. Uh, yeah, they're not doing so good. Well, here's a judge. The judges will come and they, they, they will get it right. If you look at the history of Israel, right, there's a judge that comes, saves them. After the judge dies, they start sinning again, go into captivity. Then another judge comes out, and eventually then there's kings. Then go, Israel goes through all these kings. They're not getting it right, and then they are getting it right, then they're not getting it right. And finally God, like, I'm done. And after 400 years of God finally, like, going, okay, right? I, I don't know that God has those types of emotions or really gets that, but this is me envisioning it because this is how I feel as a parent or as a coworker at times. And I feel like God finally grabbed the keyboard and said, okay, I'm gonna show you how this is done. And he took on the form of man and came to earth and he lived with us. He didn't say, he tried, or he did set it up over and over and gave us lots of examples. And finally he said, I will come and be the example. I will, I'm, I'm not going to keep telling you what to do. I'm going to come and show you because there's a lot of times where I can tell how I want something done, but it, it, seeing it is so much easier to understand, right? We've all got through COVID. I've tried to teach and share and explain through a screen on Zoom or Teams or whatever app they had at the time, other coworkers, how to solve computer problems, right? But it's so much easier when I can sit down with them and walk them through it so they can see better. Well, and we're humans, we needed this. So when God came and he showed up and showed us what it was supposed to look like, what did the church look like? What did, what did God do when he was here? How did he, what kind of example did he set for us? Did Jesus come in and be like, all right, so we're gonna do, we're gonna form a committee, then we're gonna buy a building, and then we're gonna like do these things out of here. I mean... What did Jesus do when he came to earth? He said, I mean, he went all the way from heaven to here, suffered through being a human for what purpose? To show us. So let's at least look at what he did. So who are we as the church? What are we supposed to do? Dude was a young kid. Jesus was back at the temple as a child, and he went to the synagogue and spoke truth to the religious people who were in it. That's you and me. That is the church of the day. They had synagogues all over where they would teach the Bible and try to make everybody know what it was like to interact with God. And Jesus went, and the first thing he did was he went to the church and started telling them how they had done it wrong. He wasn't in the streets yelling at the sinners. 
He was in the churches yelling at the religious people. This is where God's yelling at me because I'm the religious people. I'm here at church with all you guys, right? I'm, in, I'm in even up on the stage talking. He started by taking, and it's not like he just made up stuff and it was new revelation. He went to the books that had been read and written hundreds and thousands of years in advance, and he started showing them, this is what I already told you. Like a parent to his, to your child, like, like, I tell my kids, like, hey, are your chores done? Yeah, all right, let's go to the chore chart. Is this done? Yes. Is this done? Yes. Is this done? No. Well, you just told me your chores are done. Well, I forgot about that, and I almost did that, and I started to do that, but then somebody else was doing this, and then, right? I feel like that's God coming to us. He's like, all right, you say you love me. All right, let's look at the, let's look at the tape. Let's look at what I already told you to do. Because I don't need to give you new revelation when I already told you what to do. But clearly humans struggled with it so much that Jesus had to come and clarify it. You start reading through the New Testament when Jesus was speaking. And he says things like, hey, you know, you're not supposed to do that. But you've, if you've even looked at someone that way, then you've sinned. You're not supposed to kill someone, but if you say and hate your brother, you've already done it, right? We get so caught up in the word sometimes we've missed the point he was trying to get across. So this first bullet in here is the one that just hit me hardest. Because as a Christian, how much am I going back to the word of God and his examples and saying, am I really doing what he called me to do? What else did he do? Well, I mean, we start reading through the New Testament and Jesus' time here on earth. What example did he set to us? Well, where do we find Jesus? Well, he was in a house with sinners eating a meal with them. Well, he, he, they might say bad words while he's there, right? I mean, the, he, but where did you find Jesus? He, was, he, was, he went to the people that needed the love and he ministered to them. Where else did he go? Well, we find out he went to the religious person's house and had a meal with them too. So he didn't just go to these people and he didn't just go to these people and he didn't sit in the synagogue and wait for them to come to him. He went to the synagogue to find the people there. He went to the unbeliever's house to find them there. He went to the religious person's house to find them there. He sought them out. Where else do we find him? Well, we found him walking up to a pool where there was a cripple man. And he was, a dude was sitting there waiting for some miraculous healing that was supposed to happen. If they saw the waters move and you happen to be the first person to jump in, you might get healed. There are a lot of religious teachings out there right now that are not of the word of God. That people are sitting there waiting for God to answer this prayer. If I do this and I give this much, then God's going to give me a million dollars. Right? I mean, there are all kinds of stuff out there. And he went to find that person and said, hey, be healed. Get up and walk. He didn't say come to church and we'll pray over you and then maybe you'll get healed. He went and found the person where they were believing in something that he knew was not real and ministered to them where they were. 
he met with people that would only sneak to see him at night because they were worried about their job, right? I mean, Nicodemus showed up in the dead of night so no one would see him because he's worried about being judged. Do you have a coworker, a friend, somebody that's worried to talk about Jesus and that can't at work or can't around other people, but are you going to find those people that need to have that conversation and get them in a situation where they can talk freely. I'm not going to wait for my coworker to come and talk to me about Jesus at church. I'm going to go find that coworker and I'm going to go set up a situation where he and I can talk freely and we can have a conversation about Jesus. Where else did we find Jesus? We, well, we find him ministering to people who interrupted his service by vandalizing the house that he was in at the time. Like they literally ripped the roof off and dropped a dude down in the middle of the, like if this tile just got busted out and just the guy came down right here in the middle of service. I mean, that's what Jesus was there speaking and teaching and healing and doing all these amazing things and dirt starts falling out of the ceiling and you're like, what? I love... I love, my mind visualizes things, and then movies are fun too, because you can see it. So just that, that whole scene in The Chosen was kind of cool watching that happen. And that series, while it adds to the story, right, to make it into a movie, it's fun to visualize. I enjoy watching it visualized um, in that way. He ministered to people like that. Now, I hope that no one has to bust through the roof of the Sparks or the Schnipkes or the Jeffrey's house. And you know what? If God does to heal them, I guess we show up with hammers and ladders, right? But God did an amazing thing in that he ministered to people even when they came in making a mess of it. What if they came in through those doors right now making a mess because they needed Jesus? How are we going to respond as the church? Because we're supposed to act like him. What next? Oh, where else do we find Jesus? We find Jesus standing there when the religious people of the day bring a person caught red-handed in sin, waiting to see what he will do. And Jesus essentially sent them away, asked her, where are the people accusing you? She's like, they're all gone. He said, then I don't either. Go and sin no more. It doesn't mean Jesus was soft on sin. It doesn't mean that Jesus didn't care about that person's sin or that they were involved in sin. He didn't accept that and say, you know what, it's not a big deal. He never said that, did he? He just said, go and sin no more. As a church, can we be able to love someone exactly where they are and not need them to change before we show them love. He still spoke truth. These are just a, a snippet of the examples that we see of what Christ did and how he laid down. This is what I want you to do. I came from heaven to be here to show you this example. We focus often about Jesus coming to earth and dying on the cross, right? And taking that penalty and the judgment we deserve for all those nasty things we've done. 
but we sometimes, I, overlook that he spent the majority of his life being an example. Right? The whole crucifixion thing was just a couple days long. But he spent all of his life up to that point, years in ministry, living it out day after day, showing people, this is how I want my church to act. I'm probably not telling you guys anything you didn't know this morning, but I know there's times where I need reminded about what I should be doing. Life gets so busy, and I was sharing this with my brothers at small group. Life gets so busy sometimes I feel like I'm holding on white knuckled trying to keep up with everything that's happening and just smacking the alligator nearest the boat, right? And what I focus is that as the pressure comes, right, our, we get more and more tunnel vision, right? And as, as life gets faster and faster, we, we, we don't look far enough out to see the shore, I'm looking to take care of the things that are close. Like those old video games, right, where you're shooting the aliens, right, and they just keep marching in rows, coming closer and closer to you. Maybe you gotta be a child of the 80s to know what those games are like, but, right, it, you, you get to a point, you're not looking for the bonus that's up at the top. You're just trying to shoot the little aliens, get closer and closer to you in the video game. And I feel like, to me, this is something I've struggled with because I'm trying to take care of the next thing that I need done, and I've missed having the perspective of Jesus in that. I come into church as the children's ministry pastor thinking about, do I have the lessons in the right place? What if this keyboard doesn't work like it did not two weeks ago? What if the you know, projectors downstairs are, and I'm, and I'm taking care of all these things. Has every teacher confirmed? Are they going to be here this Sunday? Do, do I have a person in every classroom? And, and I, my focus can be this. And I miss that there's someone sitting in the corner crying because they need someone to talk to them today. Are we a church that is so focused on ourselves that we have missed seeing people for who they are? We have a meet and greet time here, Right? Right after announcements, tithes and offerings, meet and greet everybody when we go into worship, right? And some of you are out there and you're like social butterfly, moving your way around the room. Kudos to you people. You're awesome. Then we've got people that sit in here and they're like, yeah, who's going to come talk to me? Because I don't feel like walking around. <laughs> oh, they didn't talk to me, so they must not think I'm very important. And then you got the people that are like, please don't talk to me, 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 please don't talk to me. Where's my phone? I'm going to pretend I'm writing a check so nobody comes and interrupts me. Right? That's who we are. We don't need to act like that's not, we struggle with those things, right? But the question I, I keep coming back to is, are my eyes focused on making sure that everything is in place to have this? Or are my eyes focused on the people that God sent here this morning? Because if they're not focused on the people, then I'm wrong. And it's sin. To me, it is sin. When I stand up here and if I'm focused too much on the, the logistics of what needs to happen and not on the people, then that is sin. Because that is not what God has called me to do. You can take that up with God yourself. <laughs> but for me, there is no question so how am I going to live differently with what I've learned? 
I mean, what's the point of all of this if we don't walk out of here changed in some way? But what we've learned today or what we've been reminded of today. Well, next Sunday, you might come in here and say hi to one extra person that you didn't normally so that you feel better because Chancey brought up meet and greet time. I mean, hey, that's a step in the right direction. I'll take it. But what are some concrete steps for you that are going to be different this week? Friday night, I walked into small groups and I was just praying that God would calm my spirit because I left work frustrated and angry at a coworker. And by the time small groups started and we were talking, that person's face just kept coming back to my mind. And not in the way that I wanted to throw a book at them or a hammer or something sharp, which is more like what I felt when I left work. But in the, this is a child of God. What are you doing to reach this person for me? God, why? How does he flip things so completely upside down on us sometimes, right? Like, like God, I am justified. They were wrong in this. They were wrong in this. And they were wrong in this. There is nothing I need to be. Okay, yeah, I'm wrong. Right? I mean, Jesus loved the people. I mean, he's perfect. He laid it all out for them. And yet he's still showing love to each person he comes in contact with. He set an example so perfect. If I at least slow down enough to look at what he did, it's got to change me. This person at work, there is tension in that relationship between themselves and myself. I can't just walk into to work on Monday and be like, Jesus loves you. Right? That's not gonna, this is that is not gonna bring this person to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm not trying to say God can't do anything, but let's be real, right? Like, God put this on my heart, so what do I need to do now? Now I've got to go solve the tension, build a relationship, get this person in a situation where I can have a talk conversation with them and tell them about Jesus. That's not something I'm going to get off my plate in the next week. It's like I was mad at this person, and now God set me up for a multi-month, maybe multi-year project. <laughs> oh, God, it took me two months to fix my dishwasher. How am I going to fix this guy? I don't need to fix this guy, but you guys know what I'm saying. How am I going to be obedient in this situation? Because I know what you've told me to do now, but how am I going to be obedient? That's me. How are you going to leave changed? Is it a kid at school? Is it that kid that drives you nuts? Is it that jock that's so cocky? Is it that girl that always talks about me behind my back? Is it that coworker that always talks about you behind your back? Is it that other parent at the sporting event who screams and yells and is so obnoxious? Oh. Is it that guy over there with the MAGA hat or the guy over there with the Biden hat Oh, the laughs weren't quite as loud on that one. Because that might be who it is. And I don't care what side of the fence you are on. That person and that person are both absolutely loved by Jesus Christ and he died for them. So what, who is it that God's talking, asking you, telling you to go talk to? 
to go be different. Because he spent his entire ministry here on earth seeking out people that he could touch them, that he could heal them, that he could love them. And he, the Bible says when he left that we will do even greater things than these. So he, it's not that he didn't expect us to come and not do those things because we can't just lay our hands on them and heal them. He said, go do that. Go do what I did. Over and over again, he said, go do. He said, you, will, you are my friends, you are my family if you do what I've told you to do. I can't sit in here and say, I'm a child of God if I'm not doing what he told me to do. The children of Israel gave that example over and over. They would sit there and say, oh, we are God's chosen people. But you're sinning and you're worshiping idols and you're doing opposite of what he told you to do. So my challenge for you today is, who is that that you're supposed to say hi to? And maybe you need to start, you know what, start easy. Jesus went to the Jews first. Start easy. Go say hi to the person on the other side of the church today. Go say hi to somebody else tomorrow, next Sunday. This is how we're going to be different. And if you say, Chancey, I can't do that, then I challenge you with this. It's football playoff time, right? And there's some, and we're in Ohio, and there's some Bengals fans in the house, right? Is that team the same without Joe Burrow? Is that the team the same without Jamar Chase? How about McPherson? I mean, the dude's just a place kicker, right? You may sit there and say, you know what, Chancey, I'm at your church, but I'm no Joe Burrow. I'm not the superstar. I'm just this guy. I almost never even get seen. Maybe you're the guy sending the screenshots to, to Tom Brady's iPad or Microsoft Surface probably, right? Right, and you, or Joe Burrow on the sideline, and he's looking at the last couple plays, like what happened, what did they try to do to stop me, how are we going to fix this? Maybe you're just the tech guy sending in those screenshots, but why are they successful? Because they have that information and can do what they need to do. You may not be the person that's going to stand up here on this stage and play that guitar or those drums or stand here and speak, but you, the Bible says that we are one body, and this body cannot say to another part, I don't need you. So you can't bail on this team. You can't bail on this church and say, I don't want to be a part of that because we need you. I stand up here as a kid who grew up in church. And I can, I know verses and I, I've learned all this stuff, but I can't relate to someone who's been through some of the stuff that you've been through. I sit in a room with people that love the Lord and sit next to a spouse that loves the Lord, but have come through a divorce before that. I sit in this room next to people that were controlled by drugs and today sit here clean and healthy. I sit here in a room with people that were controlled by anger and sit here today free. I sit here in a room with people that were controlled by other addictions that owned them and today are free. We need you. We need me to minister to each person that might come through this door. And we can't do it without all of us. I can't say I'm going to do this and not say that I need your help. 
The church needs your help. We are specifically created, our gatherings, our small groups, to help create situations where the people of this church can be close together, can know what pain is they are struggling through. We don't want people to come and sit in this church and then walk out the back unchanged. We want to sit down next to you. We want to get to know you. We want to understand what you're struggling with and struggle through it with you. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm like, oh, I could solve it. I'm a guy I, and I'm an engineer, right? I, I got three ways to Sunday that I'm gonna tell you how you can solve your problem. I can come up with stuff. I'll Google it, right? There's probably a YouTube video on that, how to solve whatever you got wrong with you. <laughs> but that's not what God intended. It's to struggle through it with each other. So I read before to you Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, and I want to go back there. Because that was the verse that we talked about where God spoke about how he called Israel out for a reason. But if you read also in John 15, 16 and 17, look at how these two compare. This is Old Testament versus New. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the people that are on the face of the earth. That's Deuteronomy. Talking about the children of Israel, the nation he brought up. Then John 15, 16 said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. And I forgot to ask Ben to throw out verse 17, but I can read it for you because it says this. This is my command. Love one another. I don't know what else to share with you. I don't know what else to say. This is the only way I know to close. God has called you. God has called the church the same way he called Israel to be his vessel in the Old Testament. We are here today as the church called by him to bear fruit. Can't do that if I'm not out there farming. But he ends it with, this is my command. Love one another. Take that with you as you go. Because that overrides all the frustration that I feel with my coworker. That overrides the pain that that people have caused us. Because he couldn't have made it much more simple than that. Father God, we need you. Because as I read these verses and talk about what you have shown me in your word, I don't have the strength to do that. And I even can argue that I don't have the time in my schedule to do that, but yet you are God. You are too good, and what you have done is too good to not believe. And you have said, I have called you to bear fruit. So Lord, today we commit to follow you. Today we commit to go farming, to grow fruit by being love to each and every person you bring into our paths. God, today we commit to look back again at what you did and how you lived your life and to focus on doing that and being that for the people that are all around us. And God, we commit to doing that for our wives and our husbands and our children. 
because they need you too. And just like you went to the church, we will go to our families, we will go to our church family, and we will go into the world. Because you didn't draw a line and only minister to one of those groups. You ministered to all of them. Lord, I pray that our eyes would lift up from the things we're focused on and we would see the world with the eyes as you do. That we would see people as you see them, as people that you love, that you look forward to seeing again. God, I pray that we have the strength to, well, I know we have the strength to do this. God, I pray that we receive your strength to do this. Because you didn't call us to do something that we may or may not have the strength to do. You have called us to do, and you said you would give us the strength. So, Lord, we stand here and tell you that we need it. Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We need you. Lord, we pray that you would send your spirit to fill us, to do what you called us to do. And that we, when we gather back together again, we will testify to what you did to change lives this week. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.